welcome to Creative Place, the podcast for creative placemakers. I'm your host, Andrea Orlando. When you think about it, isn't the public library a natural spot for creative placemaking? Yeah, that's what we thought after touring the Richland Library in Columbia, South Carolina with the library's chief program and innovation officer, Tony Talent. He led a group of participants at the 2019 Creative Placemaking Leadership Summit for the South and Appalachia on a field workshop through the newly renovated space. And we later recorded an interview in the library's sound booth. Listen to what he has to say about how concepts of creative placemaking can inform the reinvention of an old and much-loved institution. Well, I'm going to admit right here now that this is very impromptu. You and I just met this morning, and we weren't planning to record a podcast, but you took me on this amazing three-hour, right? Three-hour Three-hour tour of your fantastic library, and I saw that you had a podcasting booth and said... We have to we have to record a podcast, <laughs> and I will also admit that this is my first time in a recording booth. Oh right! So, yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome to the recording booth at Richland Library. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, I I want to. Can you tell me about this? How did this booth come into being? Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, we really were moving with was the idea that the library wanted to express itself in new ways. And we knew that podcasts and independent music was something that was really important to many people in our community across the country as well. And we knew we needed to get in on the action. And so we actually purchased this booth prior to our renovation that you and I have been talking about. And by hook or crook, we actually got it from the first floor to this floor. Uh, So we really had the notion that it would be well used and well loved by the community and has it ever. We we had to wait in line to get into our cells. So how is it being used? In many interesting ways. This booth is being used just like it is now, creating podcasts. We have a crew of teenagers who have created their own recording label and they're, sp- they're doing spoken word. We have a group of community members who have created a neighborhood-generated storytelling spoken word disc that tells about the different people in that community, histories that would never be spoken before. So we're finding out that the community is using this space as, as well as many of our others in interesting ways, ways we would never have guessed. That's wonderful. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about the renovation. When when did that happen? Yes. We started formally with our renovations in 2014. Toward the end of 2013, we were very, very grateful that the community voted yes for a bond referendum that allowed us to re-envision not only our large main library, but also all of our branches and creating a couple of new ones to really update our spaces to reflect our vision. So we really started in earnest in 2014 with the design process in a more hard fashion. And we got as much community input as possible. We wanted 
each location to reflect the community in different ways and and we feel really solid that we've done that that each one of our locations and in this building each level has a personality of its own and is expressing in a new way over the past few years since we've been open and you were telling me earlier that one of the challenges that you want to address for this community with the community is health healthy eating mm-hmm. and cooking and so you have something very special here and I wonder if you could tell our listeners about that. Absolutely. We have um, been really interested in helping our community eat fresh and not just, once again, as I was saying to you earlier, handing them the bunch of kale, but also telling them what to do with it and giving them options. So in our main library here in downtown Columbia, we actually have a cafe um, that we um, serve fresh food and we are envisioning moving that to a restaurateur in residence type of model a program. In one of our other locations, we actually have a culinary teaching kitchen. And it is very much like what you might see on a set of the Food Network, the reverse mirrors, the cameras. So it's both an intriguing and beautiful space, a beautiful full-out kitchen, but programmatically it's helping our community understand that they can do this. They can eat fresh. Uh, we're partnering with End Childhood Childhood Hungers SC, which is very important, which is helping us bring farmers markets into our libraries once per week. So we just got started back about three weeks ago uh, for the season here at Main Library. And it's once a week up until December. And we're really trying to work with that hyper-local model. And so we did it for a year, and we have now focused on really zeroing in on more organic and local, locally grown foods. What types of foods are people bringing into the library and, and selling? Right now, it is strawberry season in South Carolina. The most beautiful strawberries you would have ever seen. We have some beautiful greens like you've never never seen. There's just beautiful bunches of, some of them are hydroponic, I do believe. And so everything that's sprouting in South Carolina right now, that's, that's very green. So we've got our lettuces, our greens, our microgreens. We're also working with a, a local fresh baker who is doing everything from creating specialized pastries to gluten-free and vegan cinnamon rolls, which are really, really delicious and very well sought after here. Mm-hmm. And, and how is it going in terms of the attendance? Are people still, you said it's only been three weeks, right? Yes, three weeks since we got back up and running for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it for a, uh, a year last year and it went great. We weren't really clear because we actually had it inside of our facility. So it wasn't really expressing itself outside the walls. So once the word caught on toward the end, about one o'clock or so, you were getting down to that last green onion. (laughs) So it went over great. We also started a program to reach the community's who really need fresh food. So we are working and partnering with groups that will accept uh, 
the SNAP program, or food stamps, quite frankly. And we also started a program where we were giving out golden tickets to kids so they can bring their families and get 12 pounds of fresh vegetables for free. Our boxes at the time last year were 12 pounds for $10. Everything that you could fit into that white box. <laughs> wow. And you were telling me earlier about how you've gotten into gardening. Mm-hmm. Yes. The library, that is, has gotten into gardening. We have gotten into gardening in a very serious way so we can bring our own vegetables to our kitchens. We started a partnership on a small level several years ago with our local square foot gardening uh, chapter here in Columbia. And what started out is just that this is kind of interesting. This is sort of a not so attractive area in back of our main library. It really caught on and it helped plant a vision for something that was larger. So as this grew, we noted those staff members and our team members in the library who seemed to gravitate toward gardening. And it moved, this concept moved to one of our larger regional um, branches. And as we were able to renovate, it became such an important part of their programming that it's really your first introduction to that location. You walk through a square, square foot gardens of fruit, vegetables, beautiful flowers, and they're using that as a core for how they program their spaces. So it's really grown, grown from a, a small three by three to an entire, a, an entire lawn mm -hmm. of gardens. And, and there's a story, right, to how that idea came into being that you were telling me earlier. You may have to refresh me. Andrea. So you were telling oh, told you so many stories. I know. <laughs> this is this is a land of stories, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> um, you were telling me that there was a a, a planter yes. that had contained a tree, yes. but that the tree died. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks for the memory jogger. We've had so many great conversations. Yeah, there was essentially right uh, on the street next to the library quite literally less than two feet from this Hampton Street, there was an area in a cobbled uh, sidewalk that the plantings had just gone bad and nothing was there. And so it's like, wow, so there's this sort of blighted spot that we have to pass every day. And so we take that piece of information and add it to a burgeoning conversation with the, the newish um, square foot gardening group and we kind of mashed those together. And we just, we came in and we planted our first square foot garden in a three by three spot. It, it, was, it was a beautiful statement into itself. And then that grew into, we were soon pulling up very large hedges on the other side of the library's lot and planting larger and larger um, square foot gardens, including a trellis. So we had everything from watermelons to herbs, tomatoes, growing right here in downtown Columbia. Wow. And uh, you keep the seeds, some seeds in an interesting place too. Yes. We, um, we have converted some of our old card catalogs, the very old-fashioned kind that were not used anymore, obviously, but beautiful to look at. We've turned one into a seed catalog where it's really about you borrow a seed, you grow the seed, and then you bring back 
um, the harvested seeds. So it's sort of this cyclical idea of the community growing together, very symbolic and very beautiful. It's a, a growing program we're really proud of. It's one of those very kind of boutique moments at the library. And it's, it's um, helping us understand the gardeners in our community. Mm -hmm. What are they bringing back? They're mostly at this point, it's, it's vegetables, mm -hmm. vegetables and herbs. Yeah, it's things that could be contained, mm -hmm. very contained in, in um, potted gardens, things of that nature. So the occasion for our meeting is that we're at the 2019 Creative Placemaking Leadership Summit. And the tour that you led this morning was with Creative Placemakers. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell me a little bit about how that experience was for you? It was an awesome experience having the group here at the library for the field workshop. And through the process of, of building up to the conference that's been this week, I've been doing a lot of reflecting, knowing that I was going to lead this and knowing what I know about creative placemaking. And what I realized, Andrea, is that we've been doing some creative placemaking at the library, actually quite a bit, but we just did, weren't, we weren't naming it that. And so it was going back to the memory banks, was, it was really quite a fun journey for me to see, oh yeah, we touched on some of these uh, some of these programmatic efforts, some of the some of the temporary artwork installations to help our library as well as our wider community envision us as something more than a building in downtown Columbia or our branches as a building in a neighborhood. Um, so it was really great to share that with the group and we were able to take a more interesting tour of the facility and looking through the lens of creative placemaking. How could we solve some problems? How can we solve some awkward moments in our spaces? How can we create connection between our, in our case today, one of the things we were talking about is the library sits on a very large lot, but right behind us is a beautiful historic building. It was originally a Jewish synagogue, and then it became a very popular nightclub. So some of the, some of the um, interventions that we talked about would be how do we connect with some of the world around our, our facility itself, one of which being this beautiful historic building right in our backyard, which is called the Big Apple. Uh, it was a nightclub before, it, before its time as a nightclub and its heyday in the 1930s, it was a Jewish synagogue. And we were addressing how do we bring forth that history and have, have the community know the life and the stories that came out of this historic building that's right in our backyard, how do we connect that to our facility, which is a roughly a 242,000 square foot facility that is in, you know, a stone's throw from it. We were talking about how to take some of our blank slate moments in the library. For instance, we have a new entry into the garden level. How do we activate that? How do we get community input on how to make this an engaging space, either temporary or long-lasting? Um, so it was a great opportunity for sharing what we're doing, but also getting feedback on how would you handle this as a creative placemaker? What was some of the feedback? Yeah, one of my favorite pieces of feedback was the idea of quite literally posing questions. Posing questions on concrete walls. What should we do? Asking our community, what should we do with this, with this blank space? Another interesting uh, intervention idea that came forward was 
because the Big Apple, which I was referencing, was that a nightclub which a very famous dance craze came out of called the Big Apple, is what if we turned all the green space and the parking lot behind it into one giant dance fest to bring that history back to life, connect it to our local history library that's inside of a main library, bring forth those beautiful archived images in different ways, expand on them, share all of that important but not quite so loud history. Um, those were some of the things we talked about. It was really engaging. You know, I'm really curious if anybody, you know, still remembers the art of the Big Apple dance. Do you know? Well, there are. And if uh, I actually did a little bit of homework and to refresh myself knowing that I would be doing the Phil session today at the conference. And if you just search YouTube and search for the Big Apple, there are a couple of videos out there that give the origin and actually show show the dance itself. We have some archived photographs that are really beautiful. One of which I showed today of a couple that were actually doing the Big Apple in the Big Apple back in the 30s. It was really fantastic. But yeah, you can do some simple um, YouTube searching and you'll, you'll find information about it as well as some demonstration. In, in certain circles, it's still alive and well. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> when you throw that dance party, <laughs> <laughs> Please be sure to let me know. <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. You know, another thing that we were talking about earlier is how the library served uh, a more urgent need mm -hmm. back in 2016. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I, I didn't know about the flooding. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in October of 2016, South Carolina and uh, parts of other uh, parts of um, the Southeast were really devastated by one of the worst floodings uh, in in our history uh, that we that we're aware of. Parts of Columbia, parts of the the um, lower uh, South Carolina were really devastated, and the library became an important part of the resilience of the community. Really helped. Built, bring the community up at a very, a very it's a frightening time. There were whole neighborhoods that were wiped out in our communities. So we worked with FEMA and became, uh, one or two of our locations actually became FEMA sites where you could come in and fill out the application and get the information that you needed. We also, um, we were delivering and uh, helping our community members get fresh water. You couldn't, no one, was everyone was being discouraged to drink from drinking the water at that time it was really a challenging time for all of us a very humbling time for all of us so we had stepped up in a way that we never expected to you know, these are the kind of things you can't always plan for we felt really uh, we felt that we were nimble enough and ardent and f had enough passion about it that we really helped helped turn people's lives around during this time. Yeah. So, kind of a bigger question, and it's two parts. So, what can libraries learn from the field of creative placemaking, and what can libraries teach the field of creative placemaking? Oh, great question you have there. One of the things that comes to my mind first is that a part of creative placemaking, a very important part of creative placemaking is involving your community, 
involving them from the beginning as much as possible. And it's not just feedback sessions, but it's really trying to, to work to get into that collective community mind so that we are solving problems from a, not just our viewpoint, but from the place of members who live in the community. So we're not there giving the answer. We're working to, together to solve problems, to seek answers. That's something that really resounded with me again this week during the conference was how to do really earnest, deep facilitation with your community, how to get those deeper stories, how to um, make collective decisions is very important. Another thing is how to creatively and innovatively get some results and, and evaluations for your projects or your programs. Creative placemaking and the ideologies that are emerging from it are really taking us to another level of um, reporting, evaluating. It's no, uh, moving us away from the outputs model, giving us alternative ways to say this is how we had impact, that a part of the program itself you build in your evaluations. That's something that that has been something that's uh, just been a clear bell that has rang for me. Is like, oh, this can all be a part of it. The evaluation just doesn't have to be tagged on to the end of it. It's a part of the the whole organic nature of it. So that's something. Some of the things I think creative placemaking can do for libraries. One of the things I think that libraries can do for creative placemakers is very literal in that we are the place to come to be, to bring your people, to have your community come. Obviously, we open our arms to that. And the other is that we have a vested interest in the community. We want to reflect the community in our services, in the products we offer, in the, the way that we, that we are solving problems. And so we have a kind of a built-in interest that creative placemakers can tag into. And, and we, we're interested and we're ready. And we're doing some of this already, like I said earlier. We just haven't always known to call it creative placemaking. Some of the partnerships we have with our with our arts arts groups and our arts alliances in our community, uh, when we transform our facility because of a because of a film festival, for instance, or a creative a creative festival, oh, that that's moving us toward creative placemaking. And you and I were talking earlier about maybe also recording a webinar, creative placemaking, a webinar for librarians and um, I definitely want to continue <laughs> that conversation. Oh, I think I think that you would have a really rich and very passionate audience out there in the world of libraries. We're talking about 8 to 9,000 library systems in North America alone that are really really rebounding from a challenging time in the uh, you know with the recession but the libraries are emerging and they're expressing themselves in ways that 
um, five years ago, ten years ago, we would have never believed the fact that we now, in our library system, we have a whole department of social work that are library employees. So we're really trying to move with meeting community need in deep ways. Just like I think cre creative placemaking is looking at creatively going deeper to, to create lasting change. Well, this has been great. Thank, thank you so much for this very impromptu interview. Thank you very much, Andrea. This has just been fantastic. I'm just so glad to be a part of this whole venture. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And let's talk again. I'll come down for the, the <laughs> dance party for sure. I can't wait for it. You've been listening to Creative Place, produced by the National Consortium for Creative Placemaking. Follow us at CP Communities and visit our website at cpcommunities.org. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.